Just before noon on Thursday, January 4th, I hopped in a cab and headed to the Dirksen Federal Courthouse in downtown Chicago. Thank you so much. WBEZ's photographer Manuel Martinez had been hanging out there for a while. Hey, hey. Are you guys just out here mostly? Uh, I have been. Um, After rumors started swirling that Chicago's longest-serving alderman, Edward Burke, would be turning himself in to face federal corruption charges. The feds had raided Burke's offices just after Thanksgiving, but they never said why. Uh, we got really lucky that, that he, he drove by and we even spotted him. Okay. It's like fish in a barrel. He's in a gray, uh, what? Pinstripe suit. No, his car. It's like oh, a, his car. It's, it's like oh. a gray Lincoln. To be fair, Burke is almost always wearing a pinstripe suit and a fedora. And his typical attire is about as classic as his old-school governing style. He's been in office nearly 50 years. He took over for his dad in 1969. And he's been investigated many times before, but never charged. Until now. Okay, I have a copy. Oh, you do? Yep. One count of attempted extortion. Hi, everybody. This is On Background, the WBEZ politics podcast. I'm Becky Vivi. This week, Chicago's longest-serving alderman is charged with attempted extortion. We'll explain what the feds say Burke did and what it all means for Chicago politics. Joining me on the phone is WBEZ's Dan Mihalopoulos. Hi, Dan. Hey, Becky. Can you briefly explain what Burke is charged with here? Well, what he's charged with there is the same sort of thing we've seen so many aldermen and so many other public officials in Chicago and Illinois charged with in federal court. It's pretty much a straight-up shakedown scheme. They call it attempted extortion because, in the end, he didn't get what he was allegedly trying to extort. But they say, the the federal prosecutors, uh, that Ed Burke abused his position as a public servant to try to have his own personal financial gain uh, result from, from this extortion scheme. Uh, and just to put it very, very simply, uh, there was a restaurant they came to him and needed something from the city, uh, a permit to remodel the restaurant, a Burger King of all places on Pulaski Road. And Ed Burke told them, you know what, I think you need to hire my private law firm uh, as your property tax appeal lawyer. So in other words, Ed Burke was holding up what they needed from him as a politician to gain something as a private lawyer. Okay, so before we get into the whole cinematic backstory of the Burger King, tell me first about Burke's side job that is now under sharp scrutiny. He has a law practice. Tell me about that. Yeah, for decades, Ed Burke has worn two hats. It's a well-known fact that Ed Burke not only has been the chairman of the Finance Committee and alderman of the 14th Ward now for going on 50 years, but he's had his own private law practice called Clafter & Burke. They have offices in downtown Chicago, and they represent some of the biggest property owners in Cook County when they appeal their taxes, when they try to get their property taxes reduced. And presumably, Mr. Burke, like other people in his field, gets a percentage of whatever savings uh, he's able 
to achieve for those clients. And this has been something that we've looked at very, very closely since the federal government uh, raided his offices recently, because I think we surmised correctly, as it turns out, uh, that Ed Burke, who has blurred the lines between his public service and his private practice, is now being accused by the federal government of crossing that line very, very clearly and trying to use his public power to enhance his wealth, to build up his private law practice. You know, we looked at it and we published a story just a week ago with a Better Government Association, and we found that because of these conflicts of interest with all of these clients of his that do business with the city, Ed Burke has had to abstain from voting. He's recused himself 464 times in the last eight years. That's a staggering number. It's four times the rest of the 50-member city council has ever abstained combined. So is is it legal for him to have all this business on the side so long as he abstains from votes? Well, there's two different things here. It's not uh, illegal for him to have these clients in and of itself. It's not illegal for him to be a lawyer and to have a side job and to even do business with clients who uh, have interests before the city council. He just has to recuse himself and not vote on legislation that will benefit his clients. Mm. Uh, But having said that, there's a a very fine line there because you cannot use your public office and trade it in an explicit quid pro quo, in a pay-to-play scheme. You you can't make a decision uh, based on what is going uh, to profit you personally. And this is the line that the feds have to prove Burke has crossed. This is the line that they believe they've caught him crossing. And uh, when we were doing that story with the BGA about Burke's many conflicts of interest, we asked a former federal prosecutor, Renato Mariotti, just what the feds would have to bring here in order to win a conviction of Ed Burke. For the feds to prosecute Alderman Burke, they would have to catch him uh, engaging in some sort of quid pro quo. The best way to do that is through a wiretap. That proved to be prophetic because that's exactly what the feds say they have. They say they have a wiretap of Ed Burke crossing that fine line and doing so very clearly in the case of this Burger King. Let's walk through this particular case, because the criminal complaint here reads almost like a movie script. Dan, how did the feds manage to bring this charge against a politician like Ed Burke, who has been walking that very thin line for decades? So it all started at a Burger King, and not just any Burger King. Uh, This is the same Burger King where the now infamous case of police officer Jason Van Dyke shooting 17-year-old Laquan McDonald 16 times and, and killing him in what was later proved to be a murder. That happened on Pulaski Road, really right in front of this Burger King. And here we are back to this sort of nondescript uh, Burger King outlet right off of the Stevenson Expressway. Uh, The company that owns this uh, Burger King, the franchisee, wanted to renovate the store. They wanted to remodel it. And they just needed permits from the city to do that. But why would he go after a Burger King, Dan? 
Well, that's a good question, and a lot of people are looking at this and saying, oh, you know, it's small potatoes, it's just one Burger King. But the guy that owns that Burger King franchise, Forbes has called him the third biggest fast food franchisee in the country. So Burke is not just looking from his perspective at this Burger King. He's allegedly looking at lining up the business of more than a hundred franchises that the same guy has in the Chicago area. And this is what Burke does. Uh, for example, he has banks as clients, and that's because a lot of them have branches all over the city and all over Cook County where they need to appeal their property taxes. They have a lot of real estate. And I think you might look at this Burger King and say, that's, that's a small orange for Ed Burke to squeeze. But I think Ed Burke is looking at it and saying, I can squeeze a lot of gallons of juice out of this one orange. How does Burke go about squeezing that orange then? Well, at first, according to the complaint, he's playing nice. As he himself puts it, he uh, is pretty subtle about it. He takes these Burger King uh, businessmen to the Beverly Country Club. And he doesn't know, but at the time, uh, the feds are tailing him. They even uh, spot his Crown Victoria in the parking lot of that Beverly Country Club. And uh, at that meeting, Burke allegedly uh, mentions to the Burger King guys that, you know, I have a sideline uh, business. Uh, I moonlight as a property tax appeals lawyer. And at that point... You might think most people, uh, Chicago people who know the, the Chicago way and how things work here, would get that subtle message and realize that they have to hire him because that's just part of the cost of doing business here. But the criminal complaint alleges that these Burger King executives who are based out of Texas don't do that, right? That's right. Uh, I don't know if he was being uh, deliberately obtuse or, or how Burke viewed it, but um, there was a wiretap uh, on Burke on his cell phone, his personal cell phone. And, uh, of course, he doesn't know that this is a covert operation by the federal government, and they are listening to him. And at some point, uh, Burke allegedly says that, you know, he tried to play nice with these guys and then shockingly didn't hear back from them about his offer to represent them on property taxes. So Burke then, uh, according to the feds, of course, authorizes his staff to, quote, play hardball. And one of the permits that they need for that Burger King on Pulaski Road suddenly gets held up, apparently without any legitimate reason to hold it up. And the executives fly into town again, uh, these Burger King franchisees. They meet with Burke again, and uh, that's when um, they change their tune. Dan, what do we know about this second meeting between the Burger King executives and Alderman Burke? Well, we know that uh, they did change their tune, uh, the Burger King guys, and they agree to hire Clafter and Burke to do their property tax appeals, or at least that's what they tell uh, Burke's office. And then suddenly... That very day, according to the feds, Burke's office, that's his public office, right, drops their opposition to the permit, and the permit is issued. So at this point, it looks like Burke got what he wanted, and uh, so did the Burger King people. But we also see an interesting other wrinkle that the feds unearthed that is mentioned in this complaint. Tell us a little more about that. So at this point... um, Burke is uh, thinking to himself that he got the business that he wanted, but he also makes another ask of these Burger King guys, and he tells them that uh, they need to get involved more with 
politicians in Chicago, and in fact, they need to make a contribution to what's described in the complaint only as, quote, another politician. Uh, But we now know that that other politician was Tony Preckwinkle. She's the Cook County Board President. She's running for re-election at that time, and Burke, in fact, hosted a fundraiser for her shortly after these interactions with the Burger King franchisees. Uh, Tony Preckwinkle, of course, now is running for mayor, and she says she did get that donation from uh, Mr. Danani, the Burger King franchisee, uh, but gave it back about 10 days later. In fact, she filed an amended campaign finance report uh, only Thursday evening, uh, just hours after the complaint was released by the feds. Fast forward to this week, Burke shows up to the federal courthouse on Thursday in his signature pinstripe suit and fedora. All right, fedora's off. On the belt. In he comes. He appears before a federal magistrate judge who reads him his rights and explains the charge. What happens next, Dan? Do we have any sense of whether Alderman Burke is going to fight this or if he's going to try to make a deal with the feds? Yeah, it looks like he's going to fight. The next step for him is to show up in court on January the 18th, but he's lawyered up. Uh, Even before uh, the charge was filed, um, we understood that he had uh, hired very prominent defense lawyers from the Jenner and Block firm, Anton Volukas, who's a former U.S. attorney here in Chicago, and uh, also Charles Sklarsky, who is with that same firm and who is a former federal prosecutor. And here's what uh, Sklarsky had to say outside of the courthouse uh, after yesterday's hearing. In the complaint, does not make out extortion or an attempt to extort. We look forward to a prompt day in court uh, to uh, prove the innocence of Alderman Burke. We have no further comment. Later on uh, Thursday night when uh, Burke returned home um, to his uh, palatial uh, three-story house on the southwest side, uh, this is what he told reporters. I believe that I'm uh, not guilty of anything, and I'm uh, trusting that uh, when I have my day in court, that will be uh, uh, clear beyond a reasonable doubt. Thank you to CBS2 and the Chicago Tribune for posting that audio online. Dan, what is the possible fallout of this corruption charge against Burke, and what does it mean really for the political establishment here in Chicago much more broadly? Well, the fallout has been considerable already. Uh, Just the day after he was charged in federal court, uh, he resigned his finance committee chairmanship. I think the mayor had called for him uh, to give it up. He promptly did so. Uh, He's lost his uh, famous security detail, which has uh, driven him around town for so many years. And uh, the mayor's office is going to install a new chairman of the Finance Committee, a a very um, staunch ally of Mayor Rahm Emanuel, uh, Patrick O'Connor from the 40th Ward, and they're going to remove the whole workers' comp program from the purview of the Finance Committee and move it, I guess, into the executive branch now. Uh, And, of course, the fallout in the mayor's race is is considerable. Um, Many, many candidates here are very tied uh, with Burke. Obviously, Preckwinkle, as we discussed before, is having the greatest difficulties dealing with the fallout of this uh, uh, charge directly um, 
you know, mentioning her and making reference to her, but he has endorsed Jerry, Gary Chico. Uh, Burke um, also is a longtime supporter of Chico, and he's very close. He's a mentor to yet another candidate, Susana Mendoza. So there's a lot of fallout even beyond the legal case, and, and you can imagine, too, that there's tons of people, not only in City Hall, but also in the judicial branch, all these judges that Burke put into place. All these folks... Um, have to be wondering if their own conversations with Burke were recorded in the roughly year and a half that the feds were listening into him. Okay, we're talking around 1230 on Friday. What else should we be watching for? What else could possibly happen, Dan, in the next coming days? So the really big outstanding question right now is, does Ed Burke uh, give up his seat on the city council, which he's held for nearly 50 years, or does Ed Burke run again in this uh, February election and try to get another term, even with uh, an indictment now hanging over his head? Uh, I don't know. I mean, he said that he's going to continue to fight. As he said before, uh, he says that he's innocent. Um, but I think it's a tough race uh, for him to, to try to get reelected, even before all of uh, this, this federal heat was put on him. Just before we were set to publish this, Burke posted this message on Facebook. By now I'm certain that you've learned of yesterday's events. I want you, my friends and supporters, to know that I fully intend to seek re-election. And I am hopeful that you and my many friends uh, will continue to do the work you've already been doing. Um, I appreciate your help and your support. And I want you to know that my family and I want you and your family to have a healthy and wonderful new year. May God bless you and your families. Late on Thursday, after everything went down at the federal courthouse, WBEZ's Cook County reporter Kristen Schorsch headed to Chicago's southwest side to talk to Burke's neighbors. Here's what some of them had to say. It was just surprising a little bit because he's always been the alderman for a long time. We always get his cards in the mail for Christmas and everything. So he's not proven guilty. I mean, he's done good until now for so many years. So He's a shame because he's been a good alderman for years. Seems like a very nice person. I'm wondering why it took so long because everyone knows he's corrupt because he, what, his he writes tax law and then his company, his law firm, helps clients avoid pay, paying taxes. <laughs> so we could put two, two together out here, yes. Those are the voices of Dices Arzola, George Tefelski, and Jesus Torres. And as one final note, Burke, of course, maintains his innocence. But to give you a sense of just how powerful a figure he's been at City Hall, WBEZ's Claudia Morrell went back through some of her interactions with him recently. And here's something he said on the day Mayor Rahm Emanuel announced he would not seek a third term. Claudia asked him if he was worried about losing that powerful seat as chair of the Finance Committee, which we know he's now resigning from. Um, I've uh, served with eight mayors now. And uh, I've had a a working relationship with uh, all of them. And it's been been a pleasure to occupy a front row seat to uh, Chicago history. 
That's it for today. Reporting for this episode comes from Dan Mihalopoulos, Kristen Schorsch, Claudia Morell, Alex Keefe, and me, Becky Vivi. Our editor is Alex Keefe. Our producer is Justin Bull. You can rate, review, subscribe, and download the On Background podcast in Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow all of WBEZ's political coverage at wbez.org politics and always on air at 91.5 FM.